0: hello my modern women this is your host nicole colantoni with single at 30 the manual, the manual for, the modern, for the modern woman
1: i've never ever had a real orgasm at work like never and i've shot let's say
0: over 300 scenes but wait are the guys having orgasms every shot of course they are that's just yeah. so unfair yeah it is
1: it is but but i feel i feel like as we get we're go back to that conversation we had before, like, life is unfair for women, like, even like in a personal, like, aspect, like, guys are, like, pounding us, and they don't even know where your clitoris is.
0: Hello, and welcome back to All My Modern Women. Our guest today is the quintessential modern woman, and to say she is multifaceted would be an understatement. From a very successful career as a finance broker to a former Married at First Sight contestant to now working in the adult industry, I think she would agree with me when I say there really isn't anything she hasn't seen or done. Together in this two-part episode, we discuss her experience as a bride on maths, as well as her career as an adult entertainer on OnlyFans. We also get deep about her history with alcohol, drugs, and disordered eating, and how her dating life and pursuit for true love has changed since being in the public eye. Our guest today is a straight shooter who refuses to be boxed in or subscribed to the status quo in any way, shape, or form. And I could not be more excited to introduce to you the Haley Vernon. Haley, welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. So let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and what was your upbringing like?
1: Sure. So I grew up um, southeast of Melbourne in a low socioeconomic area called Frankston. Um, more specifically where I grew up, I was a little bit inland, Lenoir, and I tend to say Frankston because people generally know where that is, has a little bit of a bad name for it. Um, my upbringing, my upbringing, dysfunctional. And I want to say dysfunctional because my parents' relationship was not the best. They had the best intentions individually for us, but them being together through my upbringing was probably not beneficial. It should have been cut off a lot earlier than what it was. So I saw a hell of a lot of, like, mental abuse on both sides from my mother to my father and my father to my mum. I also saw physical abuse from my dad to my mum. That in turn gave myself and my sister a lot of issues that we're still unpacking and unboxing um, and working through now. And fuck, I turned 35 this year and I still put a lot of things down to my upbringing. But then at the same time, like I know this is going off topic a little bit, I look at it and go, God, were they just doing the best with what they had? You know what I mean? Like no no one goes, you know, your yeah, rats have a kid, here's here's a manual. Um
0: I wish so, they did.
1: It'd <laughs> <laughs> make it a hell of a lot easier. My girlfriends would love it. <laughs> um but I just think that yeah, it, it was it was hard. We, um, my dad was an interstate truck driver. My mum was a childcare teacher, but pretty much a single parent because my dad was working his absolute ass off to provide for the family. Because of the level of violence and abuse in my house, I had issues with communicating um, as a child and growing up, and that led to myself being very angry and frustrated as a child to the point where when there was conflict or something I needed to sort out, I would then copy what I had seen as well. So tumultuous, dysfunctional. Um, but having said that, I probably wouldn't take any of it back.
0: Because it's made you the person you are today, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that's like so cliche and so corny and like, you know, the listeners have probably heard like a million people that have faced adversities say that, but it's so fucking true. Like, it has made me like a hell of a lot more empathetic. Um, it's also, it allows me to give time to everyone from an eight-year-old to an 88-year-old from the, you know, the junkie, quote-unquote, on the street that needs like money. Like I will stop and have a conversation and people will be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's a person. Like, you know, so it it has moulded me into a really well-rounded woman.
0: I always think to myself, we are just one decision away from being that junkie on the street. Like I'm the same. I talk to everybody and I don't judge them because who am I to judge their journey? And like, I always think like there's not much that differentiates me from them. We're just all having a human experience and trying to do the best we can.
1: You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's through that adversity and grazing your knees, and just you learn to get back up, you know. And I'm really thankful for that. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So, for those that don't know, you were a bride on Australia's 2020 Married at First Sight. I giggle about. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Oh, no. What led you to become a contestant on Maths?
1: So, I had spent the latter part of my 20s single. I I've always been a serial long-term dater, but now looking back on that, this is this is a big question, but now looking back on that, I realized that I was in long-term relationships because I had holes in myself that I needed to fix. So I was always hanging on to the wrong people to try and fill voids within myself because I haven't done the I hadn't done the work. So, what led me to audition for married at first sight? So I'd become very content with sitting by myself. I had a beautiful house. I had forged this career as a finance broker. And I was like basically sitting in a home in an environment. I'm like, fuck, I could never ever have imagined my life had been this good. But like I did the work and it is this good. And I'm like, oh, like I've got a dog, like I'm sitting talking to my dog. I'm like, I'd really like someone to like share my life with, you know, to do adult things with, you know, I'm very confident and don't get me wrong, like I'm that type of chick that takes herself out for dinner and goes out for breakfast. And, you know, still to this day, that's what I do. Like, you know, I have no qualms about that. And so I was sitting in the office one day and my old sales manager, he's like, hey, she's like, you know, you should do it. And I was like, oh. I don't know and um he he kept sending me the link and it was like I don't know like two three o'clock in the afternoon we finished work at 5 30 and like it was like the last couple of days from the audition process shutting off and I was like you know what all right I'll do it and then the questions they're like oh we don't want just a one-liner and I'm like well you've got the right girl for not a one-liner and I just (laughs) I just felt like I just was typing and typing and so work actually closed and, like, they were turning off lights and I was still, like, because they were, up, they'd ask me a question and I'd be like, fuck, it's just not that simple. I'm like, how am I how I am? I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, it, w- it was like a novel. I basically sent them, like, a whole rundown of my life. And, um, yeah, then from there I, um, this is actually really funny because I changed my life so much, but I, I still had, like, outstanding debts at that point. And I kept getting calls from a private number like literally like two or three days later and I wasn't answering it. And then I got a message saying it's Endemol Shine. Can you please call us back? And I was like, sorry, who are you? And they're like, oh, we've been trying to call you on a private number. And I was like, oh, sorry, I thought you might be a debt collector. I don't answer those calls. (laughs) (laughs) And I, um, I yeah, she, she said, did you just say that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I've changed my life. Like I'm working on that, like the money side of things. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm getting out of the debt kind of situation. And um, yeah, she I, I could just tell straight away, she was like, who have we found here? <laughs> <laughs> I love that she asked you whether you just said that. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there were a couple of times throughout the audition process when they were just like, when I met them one-on-one, like I walked out of there and I said to my dad, I said, I'm on. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, well, they asked me if looks or personality are important. And I said, well, definitely personality, but he can't have a head like a kicked in Milo tin. And um, every all the judges, they were just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, well, like you got to be like attractive. Like i got to sleep with a guy, but like personality above looks all
0: the way. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Yeah. So would you say... It was a rigorous selection process. It was, it was lengthy. There are about 14
1: stages throughout the whole process itself, um, about one a month. Having said that, like from probably the third or fourth stage, when they're calling you every week to make sure that you're still single, you have a pretty good idea that you're going to be on. Um, and I knew Tal who was on a previous season and he was like, hey, it's like you're a shoo-in, like you're, pretty like, huh, like you're different, like
0: you know, good character. Yeah, in a good,
1: in a good way. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't fit the status, status quo. And he said, you're going to get on. And I just, I, yeah, I just, I don't know if I manifested it or I had it in my gut, but I knew that I was going to uh, get on. Yeah.
0: Wow. So how would you describe the experience overall? An absolute shit show.
1: <laughs> don't do it.
0: <laughs> really? Look- Why?
1: There's a silver lining to every situation, you know. The actual recording and the process of the show itself is very tumultuous. Um, They're big days from like 12 to 14 hours. They take your phones off you. You've got no contact with your family. You might finish work, so work, filming. Say the dinner parties finish at like 3 a.m. No, they they don't. uh, yeah. And they, we start filming at like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. So they're huge, huge days, little food, a lot of alcohol. And then the, they only have to give you a five hour turnaround time to start filming again. So you're delirious. And whenever you can get your phone back to contact your parents, it's like four in the morning or so you're really cut off from everyone to kind of go, am I really feeling this? Is this like, is this who I am? Like, can you just, can you reassure me that like, you know, because you're in such a um, hostile and heated environment that, you know, it would have been really good to get an, get people that love me and know me, their kind of insight into what was going on. But having said that, it is what's happened after the show. Like I was probably one of the most... Um, What's the word <laughs> um outspoken contestants on the show <laughs> and i i got a lot of grief for that but what's ended up happening thereafter is i've been one of the most successful financially but not just financially but also i have a great community of boss ass strong women and it's fucking awesome around me from all over the world, like from Germany, from Holland, like New Zealand, like just everywhere from single mums to drug-affected teenagers who said that they've changed their lives because of me to... Yeah, like just really like the community that I've been able to build and a lot of those women, they were like, oh, God, I was like, I'm so sorry, like the letters that came in like the months afterwards were like, you know, we put you down so much. We thought, oh, God, this chick here, she goes again. But we've been following your Instagram and, you know, you're a bit of a philanthropist and we love that and you you help people. And and I'm like, yeah, but they just package you as this character on a TV show. It's very easy to say the girl with the drug habit is the bad girl, what had the drug habit is the bad girl on the show. And they kind of took something that I had said in very raw honesty and manipulated it to play their kind of story card.
0: How is that a good thing for the contestant? Like, do they not care about the person's life and the effect that that's going to have on them?
1: I I, I don't, I don't believe they do. I believe it's a massive cash cow. It's a, um, it's the number one show in Australia. So it's a multi-million dollar business and there's been a couple of lawsuits uh, with Warner Brothers and different things from different other reality TV shows to say that if someone is paying your wage that they need to have the same ethical principles as say what a employer would do. But they say that it's a donation to get around that. Um, for instance, I got PTSD post-show to the point where I had social agoraphobia, I couldn't leave the house, and I had done so much work on myself to get myself. That was the position that I was in post-drugs. And so I'd, I'd become this boss-ass woman, this finance broker, business, you know, woman. And then I went from that to woof, back to where I was years prior. And they're like, oh, we can give you one psychology appointment once a week on the phone. I was like, I need, I need more. Cheers, than- guys. <laughs> thank you for your generosity. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I need more than that. I have bellied up in my house. It's terrible. Like, oh, but yeah, as I, as I said, a silver lining to everything. And once you get through, once I got through all the shit, um, I'm in a very fortunate position to have so many like amazing women around me and as well as to live the life that I'm now living.
0: So wait, did you sort of go into a dark place because of the negative narrative that they made up about you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I um, I, I wouldn't say that
1: they made it up about me, but if they're showing only 40 seconds of a 24-hour day and they choose to package all your negative-looking emotions or positive-looking emotions, it's very easy then to pigeonhole you and that's all they're showing. But then at the same time, they have your Instagram as well. And they might be only sending you four pictures that you can post in a week and they might all look like sad. So every aspect of your life you're portrayed as this. So, so yeah,
0: I, um, so they choose the Instagram photos as well.
1: Yeah, everything, everything. So if they have like a favorite character or a contestant, I, I I call them characters now because now when I watch reality TV, I can kind of see who is playing what kind of character. But, um, yeah, they do. So if they do have a favourite, I feel as though they send, like, a lot more prettier photos and, you know, ones that are going to work in an advantage and be more marketable.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you went into it wanting to look for true love, is that correct? Yeah, my,
1: my dad called me the night before and he goes, Hales, he goes, you know they're not going to put you with someone that you're going to fall in love with, don't you? I said, oh, yeah, but he goes, oh, fuck. He's like, Haley. he goes, stop looking at the world through rose-coloured glasses. He goes, you out of anyone should know that, like, this is not what happens in life. Like, you're not going to get me. And I was like, oh, yeah, but possibly. Like, they know everything about me and this, that, and the other. And yeah, they absolutely pulled the carpet from underneath my feet and paired me with someone that we could not be more polar opposite.
0: Mm. In what ways? Um,
1: so, so the, okay, so you'll love this. So, I ex-reformed drug addict. They pair me with the son of a detective in the drug task force.
0: Oh come, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh come on yeah oh come on yeah yeah
1: yeah all right so so that's number one um, <laughs> There's more? That, that, yeah 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 that's number one um that he was very um not driven very like I am very like I, I would try I would say my drive is one of my like highest attributes like one of my momentum to get things done he was very like slow and chilled and um I don't want to say the word narcissist because I feel like whenever someone's describing a guy that they go oh my god he's a narcissist but I feel don't they like everyone's like you're like oh what was he like oh he had he was a narcissist like whenever
0: you get around with your girlfriends to talk about your (laughs) life like everyone just throws around the word
1: narcissist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like I, I feel as though we learned it like five years ago and now we're like, he is a narcissist. <laughs> I feel like on the show. So they do months and months of social, um, uh, psycho- psychological profiling on people. I honestly feel like David knew more about me. I, I knew nothing about him, nothing about me. There were situations where I was sitting there thinking like, how does he know this? Like, Do they want me to go like, do they want me to speak this out loud? Like I I felt like it was a little bit of psychological warfare to break me down being such a strong person. So I would like have an episode or, and I know that sounds like so far fetched as well, but if they're doing months and months of clinical, like psychological profiling, they really know more about how you tick than what you think you know about yourself. I, um, I honestly believe that they use that to my detriment on the show and I don't want to talk about, look, I will talk about it, but David's financial situation was not the best either going into the show and I later found out that people were paid more than say we were getting $100 a day on the show. Other contestants got paid more. I don't know why they got paid more, but it would make you think that they were kind of under the thumb of producers and to meddle more in other people's business. But that in turn isn't fair on someone's um, mental state.
0: Wait, so you weren't getting paid the same as the other contestants? No, so the the given rate is $100, like a, a filming day, which is buckliest to nothing.
1: But um, so if you, if you ask a lot of reality TV people, there are people within the group that get paid more. Um, it's not discussed when the show... Is obviously getting filmed, but it comes out in the woodwork. Same months later, yeah.
0: I wonder why that is. It makes me feel like some of them are acting. Yeah, yeah,
1: ab- absolutely. That's where I. That's where I'd go with it as well. And uh put there to like drop block, drop bombs. On yeah, you know what I mean. And just to not there out of good ethic, like ethical principles. You know, like they're. They're there just to create harm and to come from a negative place instead of to coming from, a, like, you know, a light place.
0: It's not surprising because some of the stuff that I've seen on the shows, I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I'm like, shocked I, by I, a lot of their behaviour. I, I feel like we're going into the toothbrush incident. I feel like this is a segue. <laughs> oh, my God, yes, I read about a toothbrush incident. What happened there? Um.
1: So David and I, pretty much from day dot, didn't get along. Oh, we got along on the wedding and then we got to Singapore and I was thinking, oh, my gosh. I don't know, but, at, like, have you ever been in a relationship where I went through this stage, like, in my late 20s where sometimes I would date guys and I would date them and I would try and make it work because I was like, no, you need someone that's different. You need someone like this because, like, all the other guys haven't work, but you know that he's not your person. Like, but, but you keep trying to push that on yourself because you're like, not that you're desperate. Maybe there is a little bit of... De- Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of desperation there. Um, now I like think about it like that. But after the wedding, I was like, yeah. And my friends are like, oh, Haley, like he's great. And then like now my, my friends talk about it and my friends like, oh, you know, we're just hoping. <laughs>
0: I was like, that doesn't mean that he's my person. Haley, um, the same thing happened to me once upon a time with a guy. Like he was so not my type, was yeah. not even that attractive. And all of my friends and family were like, he's great. He's great. Yeah. That's what happened to me. <laughs> Turned out to not be a good guy, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we didn't think that that was gonna last." So I was like, "Thanks," because you yeah. didn't make it out like that in the beginning. <laughs> like they're just so hopeful
1: that you'll find someone and that you'll have this like fairy tale ending, and so that's what happened to me. And anyway, so we went overseas for our honeymoon, and we um, we were in separate rooms. I I got to like so I obviously che- cheated. I hooked up with another partner um yeah talk
0: me through that
1: like I it's not one of my proudest moments and I'll tell you why because the intent behind it was like not that I wanted to be with him I was at the point where I was like about to have a mental breakdown I was having no contact with my family and I was I want to say that I was in a state of desperation I don't think I've told anyone this before either that I had quit my job to go on the show I'd left left my house in Melbourne I'd up my car. I was getting like $130,000 a year as a finance broker. I was in a, like a lot of debt going on this show because you pay for your hair, you pay for your makeup, you pay for your food. You've still got your outgoings at home and you're earning $100 a day, you know? So I- and It's not feasible for most people, particularly not, when they're single. It's so surprising. It's, it's not. And a lot of people go backwards because it's short, short-term loss, long-term gain really because once you finish off the show- you do a lot of like club appearances. You get paid, say, $3,000 to do an hour club appearance at an underage event. But then for us, COVID happened within a week after the show finished. So we had no club appearances, no nothing. So we're the first season that didn't have those kind of opportunities. But um, when when you ask, you know, how did that happen? It happened because I wanted to make the most out of a situation. I knew that if I went home that I didn't have a job to go back to. I was in a situation, I look, I I knew that like, I was in a room full of people where they were like big characters, not there for the right reasons. I had felt like, as you said before, like actors were in the room, this, that, and the other. And I, I remember calling my dad and my dad's like, what are you going to do? He's like, you know, you can come home. And I'm like, I've just got to, i got to stay on this show for as long as I can because I've got things that I want to do. And I had said my story about, Obviously, being a drug addict, and I wanted to make sure that you know, if one person saw me, that I could have conversations using the fan base that I got to try and educate, but furthermore, help people. So I was like, Dad, I'm going to be controversial. I said, I this is like what I'm going to do, and Dad was like, Oh, God, Hale's like, Fuck him, here we go, go. (laughs) and I was just like, Well, like, what do I do? and then. Look, it really immediately did not work in my favour because I I got that's all people could focus on for a very long time. Um, wait,
0: did you, you purposefully hooked up with another one of the husbands because you intentionally wanted to be controversial? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so, and he, so we shouldn't have done it. There was like a house party where everyone um, congregated in one of the hotel rooms of another couple. Um, His partner was away Look, it was about two seconds from turning into a massive group orgy in there. It wasn't, I got, I pretty much got like thrown under the bus, but th- there were a lot of like, how are you goings happening in there? Everyone was very drunk. I kissed another husband, but prior to that, yes, I'd had that conversation with my dad saying that I was going to be controversial. What actually happened though, is that wasn't what I was planning on doing, but one of the other brides had Snapchat out and was recording the whole thing of sitting on the couch. And then she sent it around to all the other brides. So yeah, it kind of like worked out how it was, but not my proudest moment. I acted, um, We. it's funny because like when you're in situations of like, I don't know, like I just honestly felt like in that period of time, um, looking back on it, It was so toxic that it took me back to like how I used to act when I didn't have the skill set to deal with things properly. Um, But they'd also taken away all my coping mechanisms. I wasn't going to gym. I didn't have my family. I didn't have like, I wasn't walking. I wasn't eating good food. I wasn't all the stuff that I had used and utilized to make me a better version of myself were gone. They were feeding me with alcohol continuously. Now, anyone that listens or follows me on social media will know that I'm not a great drinker because I generally drink to get drunk. And when I drink to get drunk, I I can't handle my alcohol. And
0: I feel like it's an oxymoron to be a good drunk anyway. There is no such thing. (laughs) And they know that. That's why they're feeding you you alcohol, right? Well, Well, that's it. And they're just like chucking you in
1: an environment that's just so lit that... You know, there's just a reaction. That is such a good thing. There's no good drunks, is there? No such thing. This is why you're hosting this. <laughs> I'm <I love>
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you said that you were looking for true love, but you yes. also wanted to use this experiment as an opportunity to sort of educate people on what you've been through. So you did also intend on using it as like a platform for other things, right?
1: Yeah, anyone that says that they... Look, I I went on the show wanting to find true love. Within two days, I was on the show recording for four weeks. Within two days, I'm calling my family, being like, oh, my God, this guy isn't for me. Um, But I would be... uh, What's the word? I'd be lying to say that I didn't want to like if I found love with my partner and that like, to say I had like an awesome man next to me I'm like you know what I want to do I want to do like drug education I want to go around to YMCA's and like, I'll be like hey babe love you going off uh, that would be in the fucking dream you know what I mean little bum taps like go get a girl like Ooh. 100% um, yeah <laughs> that, that, I love the scene you just painted was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so visual <laughs> you should lunch bye babe <laughs> you know, X5 at the driveway <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> That was the dream. So like, although I say that like I wanted to utilize a platform, I was hoping that I'd have a man standing next to me while I could utilize the platform. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't that I went in there like with this massive ego thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be a social media influencer, this, that, and the other. I couldn't give a fuck about the blue tick. Like just recently I've lost my account. I care that I've lost my community. I care that I've lost my women. Like some of these women that have been following me from the start, I followed their journey from being single to now having partners to having babies, like their kids have babies and they message me photos. Like, and I'm just like, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, God, like, do those women know where I'm at? Like, because like, I feel like, I needed them as much as they needed me. Like um, we, we're talking about real shit on my platform. So I never went on there wanting to be like that blue tick, like use my swipe up code. Here's a dildo, 10% off. Like, woo. Like that's just not me. And like I've never ever on my Instagram page and I think it's why I have like such a high engagement. I've never been that kind of Girl, I like I get on there at least once a month, like having an episode, being like, "Oh my god, crying!" Like, is anyone going through this? And the messages that just come through, they're like, "Fuck hells," they're like, "Yeah, you know, me too." Like, it's so refreshing, and I'm like, good because I'm looking on Instagram as well. And I know I've gone totally off topic, but I look on Instagram as well, and I see other people's lives, and I'm like, "Oh my god, my life's so shit!" Like, "Oh my god," like, you know, like, "Am, am I doing good enough? Am I?" at a certain level and then I'm like they're only showing the, the um, you know, the, the highlight reels. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I'm like I made a promise to myself that I would utilize my platform no matter how controversial to show the ins and the outs of my life to make normal life, Look at look like it's it's okay to be normal like we all have ups and downs and they're pretty fucking high and low like you know what i mean and there's nothing wrong with that it's perfectly imperfect it is beautiful it is human behavior and it should be celebrated and those kind of discussions should not be taboo so yeah that's
0: that's that <laughs> I couldn't agree more. We actually connected over Instagram. And the second I checked out your profile, I was like, oh, she's real. Like she's the real deal. And I just loved you from like the first story I ever watched of yours. So like you can definitely pick up on your authenticity. So I hope your Instagram account comes back.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, even if it doesn't, like it's forcing me to actually connect with people, like properly connect with people, which is like a little bit strange to me. It's also reminded me to sit by myself because I thought that I had a lot of people around me, but I did spend a lot of time talking to my phone and talking to a screen. Um, My screen time has gone from like eight hours a day to like three, two and a half hours a day. So it's forcing me to have one-on-one human connection, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, that is good. So how how has the show impacted your life and reputation since being on it? Yeah, so initially
1: I would say that it was a hindrance. but now I like, I have like, so I have, I have the most amazing life. And it's generally from like living my truth and being unapologetically
0: myself. It has, it's just, it's a quintessential modern woman. I always think modern uh, women are so unapologetic. Thank you. I just, um. it's like, It's made me very
1: comfortable and content with who I am. I've always been a little bit different, always been a little bit left of centre. And I think sometimes being that kind of woman or girl, adolescent, you question your spot in society because you're not like everyone else. So being on the show, although I came out the other end and I was targeted, what actually happened is I had all these other women come out and and be like, oh my God, like, go Hales. Yes, you do you. We need more of this. So it actually showed me that my my place in society and it confirmed to me that what I am, who I am as a person and what I put out is needed. And but it also gave other people permission to be their authentic selves. So it has it's made me very comfortable with who I am as a person um, and content as well as a person, look, I'm not perfect. I have my days where, you know, I worry and I stress like us all, but.
0: um, No one is, right? No one, there is no such thing as perfect. No, there there isn't. And
1: it's a really unobtainable thing to try and go after. But for ages, like I was like, you know, trying to fit myself into this box, this, you know, size A, like this, like very feminine box. And that's not me. Like, you know, so um, yeah. You're a
0: straight shooter yeah you don't in a box <laughs> you break yeah, the not- box you
1: break out of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a, like a jack in the box <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's just made me realize that um not just for myself but everyone has a place in society, and that's like a really powerful thing um yeah, and it gave me the platform to realize that it's it's really nice to have outsiders' perspectives as well, so yeah,
0: yeah, so you said don't go on it before does that mean you wouldn't go on it again if you could redo your time over I'd I'd definitely not go on it again really even after everything and how much your life has changed because of it
1: yeah I um I I had an opportunity last year to go on another Australian tv show and I turned it down um wow because like I just like I, I like my life and I don't want to disrupt something that is good you know what I mean yeah. um,
0: I'm, I'm broke wife. like don't fix it right yeah like and I
1: understand that like it, something like I always say to people like you know you just got to jump you got to take that risk because good stuff comes you know the parachute will open and you know eventually when it opens you're just gonna you know you're gonna have this amazing view and things are gonna be good but because of the really awful experience that I went through filming the show, second-guessing myself, my mental strength got just beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. It's too high of a risk to take when I had so much, like I've just got my house, it's about to get settled on, I've just got too much good stuff going to take so many steps back at, at the whim that it could be beneficial for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no guarantee with the show, is there? Like, you don't know what sort of narrative they're gonna spin.
1: There, there isn't, and um, so you know, out of the eight uh, females that were on it, there were there was only really one, maybe two, that got a good, um, good edit. All the rest, like, were the men, men in society, and I hate to stereotype this, they they walk away with the cape, and women are vilified.
0: Hundred percent
1: you know, and where we're always fighting for who we are and being a strong, independent woman, you're a bitch or, you know, and, and being a masculine guy, it's like, oh, good on you for wearing the pants. So you're always having to prove who you are as a person. And I don't ever want to have to put that in someone else's hands again, you know, that like people can see who I am if they, you know, if I have an Instagram, if they get back onto my page again, but giving all that power to someone else to put it out through the whole of Australia is fucking huge.
0: Yeah. It's interesting what you were saying about the difference between men and women, because I just watched the most recent season of maths and I actually found that the women treated each other way worse than the men did. And I found that so disappointing. Like I was like, come on, we're better than this now. We know better. This sort of behavior is not acceptable
1: yeah i um i i often find that's the case as well look and it comes back to a few things so it comes back to women I don't, I don't i don't want to say this because i like i as you like think that we have come a lot further so you got to be careful like how you say things but i don't want to see the women see other women as competition right but We've always been um, conditioned to compete against each other. So I think it comes from like um, like a white supremacy kind of like it, it's like it's been bred into us. Does that make sense? Like a, a white privilege kind of thing that's gone down years and years and you have to be better than her. Look at her lips. Da, 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 da. So when shit hits the fan, Instead of taking ownership and accountability, it's like, oh no, we're going to gang up. It's you're on the outside. Instead of like, let's work together. Okay, she made a mistake. Like, let's move forward. But, you know, that kind of thing doesn't happen, which is unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I feel like what you're saying is right in the sense that women have been taught to seek external approval. So if there is somebody who is receiving more approval than them, then they're instantly a threat. And what I witnessed on the most recent season is anyone who seemed to be a bigger personality and was receiving more attention was immediately beaten down by the other female contestants. And I was just, it was really sad to watch because it's something that I don't like about being a woman. And it's something that I just wish women would stop doing to other women.
1: Absolutely. You pretty much just summed up what I was trying to say, but a hell of a lot more articulately. (laughs) (laughs) Was,
0: I was listening to him like, wow, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, crazy. did you experience that? I haven't actually watched your season. But yeah, I, you- I,
1: like, I experienced that. Like one of the cheating scandal saga came out. I said, like, I was, I was like, you know what? I did it. Like, this is what happened. And Michael, I got absolutely torn to shreds to the point where I was doing, you know, that ugly cry at the table. And I was just like, why is the all the attention and focus on me? Like there's two people in this, you know. But, yeah, I, I just got attacked. But, like, I, I, I often find that in life in general that, as you said, all the all, all strong women get, they've got to fight their way through for being strong. You know, I had a girlfriend that said to me the other day, just really quickly, totally off topic but kind of on topic, um, she's going through the um, IVF at the moment and I said to her, I said, oh, are you going to choose the gender for your baby? And she said to me, she's like, oh, yeah, I am. She goes, I'm going to choose a boy. And I was like, oh, why uh, Why do you want a boy? And she goes, because I have like a lot of strong attributes like that have been looked at over the course of my life. Like I'm a bitch or I'm a... And I thought that was really interesting. Like, this was at my girlfriend Rebecca's christening. It was another older woman because I'm doing something similar. And she said, you know, because I've always been looked down to, or that I've been too strong, or I've been too this. And I've been like kind of segregated because of traits that if you put in a male, they would be applauded. And I walked away from that and I was thinking, like, it's so true. Like, and so not only have I faced that on maps, I faced that a lot in my life because. I, I'm not. I'm not the yes person. I'm. I. You know, on my school reports, Haley would be good if she didn't talk back. But it wasn't that I was talking back. It was that I was asking why. Why are we doing this? I, I want to know why. If you're leading me somewhere and telling me to do something, give me the reason. Give me the explanation behind it. And I don't think that that. Well, I. I, I know that's not a
0: negative now that I'm older. Absolutely not. But. The world is not wired that way. You're not supposed (laughs) to question the system ever, particularly as a woman. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) No, I was literally on detention every single day at school, so I relate. (laughs) Uh, So you went from a career as a finance broker, like you said, to being a contestant on maths to now working in the adult industry. Correct. Talk me through this. What is OnlyFans and how did you get involved in the adult industry?
1: So OnlyFans is a, is a platform um, originally designed to share pay-per-view content. So anything from personal trainers could do, um, personal training programs to chefs doing recipes. What actually happened is during COVID, a lot of women as well as males found themselves without an income. And a lot of people jumped on to OnlyFans to sell adult content. So I would say that they had their boom and their kind of like rise to fame, as you would call it, um, during the whole COVID process. It is predominantly an adult website now. There are people that use it for other forms, like I said, Um, but it's mainly pornography. So that goes from, you know, world class celebrities like Cardi B doing bikini shots to um, other celebrities doing full-blown porn. I myself, I, I I do pornography and yeah, I I was one of those people. So I'd got off the show. I was having an exponential crisis. Like I was not the same person that I went on the show. Like I was mentally unstable. I don't want to say that I got into it because I was mentally unstable. That sounds wrong. Let me clear that up. But I'd had like a break. I'd built myself up. Then what happened is I went to get back into the finance industry and people weren't taking me seriously because I'd been on this TV show and I was probably in the top quartile of finance brokers prior to being on the show and I couldn't even get like one contract signed a week because they're the men that I was speaking to were like, oh, you're that chick. Oh, you know, my wife loves you. And I'm like, can you just sign here? And I just ended up leaving like work crying like every day thinking, I'm, you know, and dad's like, Haley, you've, you've got to work. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I can't do this. And then pretty much like a week after it finished staring, COVID happened. And, um, I was talking to another influencer on my angry dad. He um, He's known for his kids play pranks on him in Melbourne. And I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Still got like keeps it outgoing. So he's like, do OnlyFans, Hayley? He's like, you know, I'm not saying this in a creepy manner kind of thing. He goes, do you know how much they earn? And I was like, I don't know, a couple of thousand. He's like, I know girls your age that are making 30,000, 40,000 a month, Hayley. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like they're making crazy money. And I was like, all right. So I stopped talking to him and I remember lying there just like, wow, like, you know, like I would have been lucky, like if I kept on the role that I was going on, like to even earn $40,000 in one year after maths because they had just totally sucked the life out of me and, you know, they had taken away all my earning opportunities and professional kind of. um,
0: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was terrifying. It was terrifying that I had um, totally transformed my life and that I was in a position like, I don't want to say like, well, I would have been like a, a, pretty, a lot of women don't earn the money that I was earning as a finance broker. So I'd completely changed the trajectory of my life. And then because of the show, it had all been taken away from me and there was, I was powerless. There was, there was nothing that I could do. And I was scared because I, I was like, I was watching everything like, I was like, oh my God, how am I gonna afford this house? Like I'm still paying like $850 a week rent. I've still got this car. Like my life, the bills that were coming in were still matching the money that I was earning prior maths. So I couldn't, I couldn't manage this life that I had built because I didn't have the the income around me. So I was lying there and then I I had like a few wines like the weekend after and I got on my phone and I was like, hmm, I'm going to do this. And I had like this because bikini- I, I shredded up to go on nats, um, So I had like this like bikini like video that I'd done in a sauna. Like it started at the boobs and went down to skinny waist and then kind of my legs were like spread a little bit, like in a little g-string. And I made an account and I took a screenshot of that bikini video and I put it on my Instagram and I wrote hashtag now on OF. My OnlyFans, um, so just like if people don't know what OnlyFans is, it's basically like a Facebook wall that you subscribe to. You pay money to subscribe to the wall. Um, There's free content on the wall and then you do paid per view, which means there's messages that subscribers can open for a premium price. So I'd basically just put on my wall this video and I had made like my subscription like sixteen ninety five or something. And it's in US, so it'd be about like $23 Australian. And I went to bed and then I woke up in the morning and my phone, like I had so many emails like from iCloud because the like, iCloud's like registered going like, you've got like, I don't know, 400, 500 subscribers. And I was thinking like, what? At like $22 and like, I'm doing a math in my head and I was like, this is crazy. Like, and then I I just, it kind of just snowballed from there. And then, you know, my second video, like I look back at the videos now that I was posting, I was like, oh my God, it's so bad. Like, and people are probably thinking, hey, like you do porn now, like that is bad, but it's professional now. Like this was like, my phone set up in a bathroom on like a counter, me in the bath with my bum in the air. Like <laughs> it was so bad. And people were paying it because they're like, oh,
0: it's a girl of maths. Like we want to see her like naked. And um, it really just skyrocketed from there. How incredible. Okay. So what sort of content are you creating through your OnlyFans account today? So today I do everything. So I do,
1: um, I the majority of my content is male, female, um, sex. So sex scenes, Um, when I say that I'm a content creator and I do OnlyFans, I'm not going around just sleeping with people willy-nilly, it's all tested. Um, A lot of the time we use condoms. If we don't use condoms, then there's other health checks that go on in place. But there's probably a group of like 10 to 20 content creators throughout Australia and we all work with each other. We're all at like a kind of a high level. I do girl-on-girl scenes, male-male, female scenes, um, two girls, one guy, group scenes everything except for I don't do anal on my side i don't I don't do anal on my
0: side on your side i'm, I'm not on my side on my side <laughs> <laughs> on side I was like well what side can you do it on <laughs> sorry
1: like <laughs> I, I do it on all fours
0: <laughs> so wait, is that just a personal preference you just don't like yeah. anal no,
1: like I, I actually do, but I, I believe that there's, sh- so I haven't found a, I haven't got a partner yet, but I want some things that I want to do. I want them to be left to myself and my partner.
0: Maybe anal's just for, between me and you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? I get that- it though. It makes sense. Like he's got that one thing, you know, that's yeah. just between you and him. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like, babe, you get my ass. <laughs> It's a very personal thing, and you want to trust that the person, like, is going yes. to be careful.
1: And there's the, and the, and there's also some things that you can't go back from, like on. Well, like there's a lot that I can't go back from already, like because it's all out there, but. Like, God forbid, like, like, I, I never want my dad to see like one of my movies, but I'd I never want him to see that kind of movie. Like, or, you know, like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, and there's girls that do everything. Like, you know, there's a lot of requests that we get for like, can you stand in the shower and can you pee and film it? And I'm like, no, no, I can't. Can you film yourself shitting? No, no, I'm not doing that. And then I got a lot of men that
0: like, <laughs> oh, babe, like- No judgment, know. but like, that's just whack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh um it he, is he, like
0: that I got a lot of like
1: foot fetish guys and I have terrible feet I have size 10 feet i me
0: too but you're tall I'm 5'4 what happened to what? me <laughs> I was, and these huge hands and I'm so small be <laughs> a
1: swimmer or something
0: <laughs> I was a really good swimmer I must say
1: <laughs> I See you. I wish I was in Sydney because like, I know like, I fall with size ten feet and massive hands. So I always say to people, like, if I had little fo- little feet, I'd be like a tower and I'd fall over. Like, but like you're very like you're stable.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> one's <laughs> tripping this flipper foot. <laughs> like yeah,
1: I get a lot of like foot fetish guys, and like I get guys that pay me like thirty five US, which is like forty two Australian dollars, right? And I have like hundreds of them on my page that just want me to like take a photo of the bottom of my feet or, oh, baby, you've been to gym. Can you take off your shoes? And I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, you're going to pay me $50 for like a two-second
0: photo. I'm like, yes, okay. okay, so what I'm hearing right now is that with my flipper feet, I should start an OnlyFans account. <laughs> because Clearly, there's a lot of money to be made out of them. <laughs> I have a new calling. <laughs> it, 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 it's a Barbie with big feet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not opposed to this idea. It's just my feet, I'm in. (laughs) Obviously fans who already knew prior to the OnlyFans account would have been like very keen to see your OnlyFans content. Who else gravitates towards your OnlyFans account? You've mentioned people with foot fetishes. (laughs) I get a lot
1: of women. Wow. I get a lot of women. I get a lot of women that I have, like a lot of OnlyFans and people in the adult industry, they talk about empowerment a lot and, you know, are you empowered? But I think like for me being me, I have empowered um, a lot of women in their sexuality. And I get a lot of women that are like, you know, we wanted to like see what you were doing and then sometimes like because like last year I spent like a ridiculous amount on Honey honeybird, and so I'll wear it for all my shoots and then like I'll put it on my Instagram that I'm selling it and then I get women on my site that buy it and then they're like, I got dressed up for my husband tonight. And or the, they'll watch my videos with their husband and um, I get a lot of like lesbian women as well and uh, because I'm bisexual. Um yeah, I, I get I get a lot of women, a lot of women. I get. wait,
0: So, you, do you get like women DMing you in a romantic sense? Then.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know if it, it's romantic. It's more they want to get a leg over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I'm yet to get like, can I take you out to dinner? <laughs> but I'll let you know if that happens. Uh-huh. It, it's more that oh, we love your. Mm, or <laughs> I want to know right. how. That tastes kind of thing. <laughs> um, but I also get like um I get like a lot of also guys that feel like they're inadequate sexually as well, like maybe size-wise, or they don't have experience. I think the the best thing about OnlyFans is that look, anyone can get pornography for free these days. You don't have to pay, you can go on Google, right? What they like is that one-on-one factor is that. They can talk to the person that they're getting the content off. Um, so, is it a full-time job? Are you having to talk to your fans? Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't say my friend will hear this and go, "Fuck, Hayley, it's not a full-time job." Like, I gotta be careful how I word this. <laughs> yes, yes, and no. I, I wake up in the morning. I will answer all my um, DMs from the morning from that. Sorry, the night. And then um, before I go to bed, then I'll log back on and do it all again. I, I came to the point last year where I was doing it like all throughout the day and I was like, this is so time-consuming, like getting back to people. But now my fans know that I'm on in the afternoon. Like I'll, you know, I'll sit there and watch Tally. Like I'll we cooking dinner? And I'll just like have my laptop out and I'll just be talking kind of thing. And But then I've also got like my um, high subscribers as well. So people that have been with me since day dot that spend a hell of a lot of money with me. So... They're in a different folder and a different category, and I know things like their birthdays and I know when they're going places. So I, I message them and I'm like, "Hey, like uh, congratulations, like you did this and da da da," and they love that. So you know, there was a point last year where I had a whiteboard and I'm like, "John's birthday here, this person's here," you know, so I could message them. But they love that because they love the attention and they love not the attention. Yes, they love the attention, but they they love that yeah. I know about their
0: life. You know, it's a form of intimacy, right? For them. Yeah. Well, they they're being heard. Yeah. So what do they want to talk to you about? Everything. Everything.
1: Um, obviously a lot of it is sexual, but I get like, I, I get guys that think that I'm um, doing, that they can rescue me, that I'm a damsel in distress and that they need to fly in on their, <laughs> their noble steed and I'll pluck you out of this industry. You're too good for it. Um, I get a lot of those conversations. I get conversations. Do you think
0: they're serious? Like are they legit?
1: (laughs) I said this to my coach the other day, my business coach. I said, I generally say that if you think that you're going to pluck me out, like send me $2,000 first and then have some kind of buy-in and then show me that you're being serious because you're not serious. You're just like you like to be in control and you want to be that alpha in the situation and... I'm not like, it's not all about money for me, but I I put it back down to money with them. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, you want to, because like, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm earning more money than what they are. I'm in very much control of my life. I don't need you to rescue me, you know, so. It's going to take a lot for you to like relinquish control. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't need it. And I don't want the person that I date to be a subscriber to my OnlyFans. I don't, I don't want them to ever see my OnlyFans. And I'm like. Why? Um, this is going to sound like such a contradiction because I'd want them to like film with me so I could sell it. But I, I don't want them seeing me with other men. I, and nearly every content provider, uh, creator, sorry, that I work with, they're partners have seen seen it all
0: I just I don't know I don't know what it is but I'm just like no no. are you worried that they'll judge you or it's like your professional Um, side and you don't need them to see that side no I yeah I think I think it's the
1: the second one I that it's, it's work Hayley And a lot of people talk to me like I'm walking around the streets with a diamond collar and I'm like in a g-string when most of the time I look disheveled with a scruffy bun in my hair and I'm in gym gear like all day. It's Haley work. Haley is a very work different Haley than who I actually am. It's like less than one percent of who
0: I am as a person, and I don't want the less than one percent. Wow, be cool. Yeah, 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 I I, I definitely the strong one percent though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it
1: is but it's um i i know it's not me because it takes me like for instance after i film sometimes it can take me a few days to get grounded again like i get severe anxiety afterwards because i have had to perform and be this person that is so far removed from who i actually am and that's why within the next year i'll be transitioning out of it that that feeling has become even more and more over the last say six months where I want to do something more heart focused, um, where I'm giving and I'm getting get, getting back from helping and being of service to people. That's what truly makes me happy. So I know that I don't. I just don't want someone to. I, I don't. I just. I think that being in the adult industry, sometimes it's very easy for men to just it's not like you're a doctor. Like, you know, if you're a doctor you've got a professional role, you're not going, oh, like, how was work? Like, you know, the your focus isn't your job, but being in the adult industry to a male, sometimes that's all it can be. And I am so much more than my job that I just, I don't even want to put that in, in the mix. I just, I need, like, that's it. Like, I just don't, I, and I think possibly it's because of my experiences with men and how they have viewed what I do as well as treated me because of what I do.
0: Would you say that they treat you in a negative way because of what you do?
1: They, a lot of men say that they can handle it um, and that they're fine with it. They slowly become controlling to the point where they want you to change your whole business model. And I'm just not doing that. You know, I'm, 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 as I said, you know, you said before, I'm a straight shooter. Like I go, G'day, my name's Haley, sex worker, extra addict. You know, if you're going to judge me, you're missing out on a great person. But if you're going to accept me for who I am, then, you know, you're going to have someone that's always going to be in your corner. This is who I am. Doesn't define me. Um, they, it's, it's going to take a really strong man in, in a lot of ways to be okay with what I do. And it's going to take someone that is in touch with who they are as opposed to their ego. A lot of men are ego-driven and their ego is like, oh, I'm dating a porn star, like I'm dating this, like, oh. But then sometimes the ego can play into how they treat you based on their perception.
0: Definitely. Have they ever become abusive about it? Or just more so possessive and like jealous.
1: Yeah. So, so this year I dated a guy, um, dated him for four months this year and he wasn't physically abusive, but he, he became, um, I was, I stopped and I'm like, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, he became jealous and stalkerish and, um, very insecure, to the point where he would follow me to gym and love bomb me. And he would, he would just do stupid shit, like, you know, make it very known that he was with me, but then try and scare me into the fact that he was, like, always present. Like, yeah, so, yes. So, the, yes, it has happened and it was only this year that it happened at the start of the year. And it was the first time in my life, and I said this to my dad, that I knew his behaviour was getting out of control. And I said to my dad, I said, dad, I I need to go have a conversation with him to say like, enough is enough. Like, I can't do this. But it was the first time in my life that I was worried about how that conversation would go down because I was worried about how he would act. But it was just one of those situations where he was trying to scare me into a position where... I would do as he would say because of he was so insecure that he thought that that was the only way to control me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was. It was kind of scary, um, and that's kind of the the only real incident that I've had. And it was I was really blindsided by it as well. I was actually smitten like so bad with him at the start.
0: Well, he was love bombing you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bad and... um, Very seductive.
1: Yeah, extremely. And he was, you know, showing me everything that, like he was Muslim he was showing me that, like he he prayed a lot and he was a good person and this is his character. And slowly he started segregating me from my friends and saying, you know, oh, Sam, this person is my best friend too. And this person... So then I felt like I couldn't tell people things as well, but he was trying to push it away so then... You know, I was a product of my circumstances. But yeah, so it, it has got out of control, but just in that one situation.
0: Interesting. Mm. So, what is it like working in the adult industry? Is it a safe industry to work in?
1: It is a safe industry. It, it's very professional. And I think it comes down to a couple of things that a lot of people that work, you know, within there's a spectrum with everything I say. It's like there's, you know, there's a spectrum on the sex working scale from like your street workers to where I am things are going to be very different on each kind of level what I've experienced within the adult industry is that a lot of people have a point to prove that it I think people work harder and are more ethical because there's a lot more judgment within the industry that they're in I have I've only really dealt like it there's only probably been like two or three people within two and a half years that have needed to be put back in place. All the others have taught me so much about professionalism. There's a lot of conduct that goes into what we do, a lot of legalities, a lot of forms and waivers getting signed. You know, at the end of the day, we're making over 18 content um, and it needs to be legal. It needs to, there's, you know, boxes that we have
0: to tick Consensual, sure. the whole thing, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about consent as well, like the discussions that need to be had prior to just, we're not just banging at a camera and, you know, just working like, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? You know, how can I do this? How can I make you feel comfortable? This, that and the other. So you go into it knowing what's going to happen, which is, which is a good thing. Would you say
0: the men are respectful?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I only really work with, I, I work with more women these days than I do men um I work with a guy called Primal Instincts another guy called Apollo uh there's about I'd say about five regular guys that I work with and they're they're all really professional um yeah they're great they're great men
0: do you find it empowering do I find it empowering
1: yeah I do I um so it's funny because my perspective on this question has changed I've been asked it like twice recently and if you'd asked me last year, I would have said, yeah, it's empowering because I am like, you know, I'm in charge of my sexuality and, you know, I'm a boss-ass woman. You can't touch me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because then that's empowering within itself. But what's empowering to me now and how it's changed slightly, it's it's all of that, don't get me wrong, but it's so much more. It's empowering that I am funding my own life. It's empowering that I've just bought my first house. It's empowering that I am not sitting in a cubicle working nine to five. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, a lot of the listeners are going to, you know, be working a nine to five. And, you know, for so many of us, that's what, that's what we have to do. But it's, it's empowering that I, like, I can be, you know, unapologetically myself and I have this great life. And for the first time in my life, I'm able to live my life instead of go to work when it's dark, come home when it's dark. I can wake up when I want to. I can do things that I want to. That's not saying to listeners out there that go quit, go quit your job and do OnlyFans because a lot of women ask me, should I do OnlyFans? And my first answer to them is no.
0: Wow, why?
1: Yeah, so I, I say no because you need to make sure that you're going to earn more than what you're currently earning, number one. It's a lot of yourself to put out there. And the thing where I differ to most is that I'm kind of like a D-grade celebrity and that it doesn't really matter what I do, people will take me on board as an um, employee post what I'm doing. For the average person, if you have so much for yourself out there and then it doesn't work, you want to get back into a professional space, I'm sorry, the world hasn't evolved that much to be, unbi- like, unjudgmental. Like, you know, it's it's going to affect you. Um So so that's why I generally tell people not to do it um, unless they've got like, you know, a giant TikTok or they're um, an Instagrammer or something like that where they can push people across. I tell them not to do it because it can be like, you know, I I do know women that have done it successfully though as well. I know girls that have, you know, had no um, platform. So yeah, social media presence. And then, you know, they've done really well, Uh, but it's taken them a year and,
0: you know, it just takes a while to get momentum going. 100%. You've got to really, really want it. So would you describe yourself as promiscuous or a highly sexual person? Because if I was you, I'd be like, don't look at me, don't look at me. Like I'd be so right. nervous. And I, I, awkward.
1: I, think, I think this is like going back to why it takes me three days to ground myself afterwards. I'm not highly sexual, right? Like as a person... I After I broke up with my ex, like I went a real, so I've never ever picked up a guy from a pub and had a one-night stand. Neither. Never. Never, never. My girlfriend that lives with me at the moment, right, she's like, we're talking cheese, right? But everyone looks at me like, ooh, hails, like, you know, like a good time, and I'm like, do I? Like, this is funny. (laughs) A guy will will look at me at gym and I'm like, oh, my God, what way do I look? But I'm just like, it's um, I'm sexual when I feel safe. Not that I don't feel safe at work, but I've always been in long term relationships. I went through a period like I had sex for the first time when I was 17, but I was a late bloomer. Then I kind of went through you know those party days where I was like having a lot of sex, but I didn't really know what I was doing, that kind of thing. Um, and then I got into long-term relationships. If I'm in a long-term relationship and I can be vulnerable and supported and that kind of thing, I'm very sexual. Like I like, I don't want to say acts of service is my love language, but it is (laughs) like, I like, I love that about sex, but I am definitely not someone that is just like, goes out like, Oh, it's hot. Like, come back to my house. Like I would die. I would absolutely die. I wouldn't know how to like, I wouldn't even know how to initiate it. Like it's not me. And that's how I know that like with work, you know, like my heart, starts, I drive to like the scenes. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, Oh, and I, so the first time I shot, I got really, really drunk and I watched the video back and I never watch the videos back now because you think you look hot when you have sex. Truth is, no one looks hot when they have sex.
0: Babe, I never thought I looked hot when I had sex. <laughs> <laughs> I knew from the outset this is not cute. <laughs> oh my God. Well,
1: well I, I did think I looked hot. I was like, you know, when you pull those faces and like you make those noises. And I remember watching myself thinking, oh my God, Haley, like, because the better the sexy is, the more like animalistic it is. Like, and you don't look hot. So I got really drunk and this is the first time I shot. And I remember watching it back and thinking, fuck, like if I have to get drunk to do what I'm doing, like, I'm not doing this as a job. So, since then like i've been 100% sober and i i do do what you said like i do get nervous i walk in and I'm like oh my god but then like i've done it for so long now that like i know what's like coming on and like what i have to do so it is a performance but it is like so different and that's why i said it's only 1% of me because i'm like a bit of a dork i'm a little bit awkward i am confident i'm a thousand different women wrapped up in one this is a small side of what i'm doing when i say small it's very small because I'm, yeah, I'm not overtly confident sexually when it comes to picking up men in the real world.
0: I'm the exact same. And I need a very strong mental and emotional connection to okay. feel that sort of chemistry with somebody. So do you get aroused when you make content then? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, I, So there's just a lot of lube or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a lot of lube. <laughs> It's, I've never, ever had a real orgasm at work, like never. And I've shot, I'd say, over 300 scenes.
0: But wait, are the guys having orgasms every shot? Of course they are. That's just yeah. so unfair. Yeah,
1: it is, it is. But, but I, feel, I feel like as we we're go back to that conversation we had before, like life is unfair for women. Like even like in a personal like aspects, like guys are like pounding us and they don't even know where your clitoris is. You know what I mean? Like I saw something, <laughs> I love, it's true. I saw something on YouTube the other day and they had like a diagram of like the vagina and they said to guys, they're like, where is the clitoris? And um, they did it with like eight men and the men just didn't know like where it was, how it worked. So, why am like, I not surprised?
0: <laughs>
1: I'm, not, I'm not at all, trust me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just like a lot of men are just in it to sex for themselves, obviously, and think because, like, women are screaming like like moaning like you know they're getting swung off rafters (laughs) that they're doing something good and I kind of put that back down to porn and the responsibility.
0: I was gonna say it's the porn industry that reinforces all of that like they're educating men that that's how they should be having sex. It it, it is and
1: it's over glamorizing and it's hollywooding things but like Maybe I should do a video as a test of like real sex and see how that grows in comparison to, um, porn sex. Um, yeah. So- hey, I
0: feel like you're in a really important position of power where you could use your um porn as a way to educate men on how to actually seduce and sleep with a woman properly.
1: I, I could, and one of my girlfriends, Eden, she does what I do as well, and she's actually done tutorials before um, on her platform. Look, I don't think a guy wants to see, this is the thing. and I don't want to stereotype type men, but guys don't like being told that they're not good at things, especially sexually.
0: Yes. But they do like pleasing people and they do like getting better at things. So I feel like it's all about the way you frame it. This is how you make a woman squirt. It's <laughs> <laughs> squirting a thing. Like, Sorry. is that real? Can women squirt? Yeah.
1: Women can squirt. I am. Um, oh, okay. Let's, let's get down to like the actual juicy stuff. So when I first started in this industry, I had never squirted. I was like, I remember going up to Gia Roo. she's She's Australian, famous Australian porn star. And I was like, I'm like, I, I don't know how to like squirt. I'm like, cause they're like, you should squirt in this scene. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, help me. <laughs> and, and she's like, grab this bottle of water. She's like, drink. And I was like, what? she goes you're gonna pay and I was like sorry what and she's like she's like yeah that's all we all we do and I was like I I got out of there And my girlfriend Rebecca's in Melbourne and I got on the phone I'm like back back she's like like Rebecca's so funny my girlfriend but she's great she's like we're very much the same but she's gone off in a totally different direction obviously (laughs) she's had a family had a kid and like she's living vicariously through me she's like you what is, is that really what they do?
0: And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, I just peed on someone while we were having sex. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're not orgasming, then how on earth are you going to squirt naturally?
1: Absolutely. And I think that a uh, well, I don't think I know that the statistics on like women actually having like proper squirts, orgasms. You say that orgasms with squirts. Um, it's very low for it to be like. Sh- like a fountain and if they do it's like minimal you know it's not like an ejaculation
0: of semen kind of thing wow wow yeah. thank you so much for listening to this guest app how to challenge the status quo and live the life you love with Haley vernon my modern women. Don't forget to sign up to the first ever Single at 30 online event being held by psychologist Rachel Tocasio and I this October, where together we'll get deep about what it takes to attract healthy, romantic love into your life. I love you all and we'll see you this weekend with another episode of Sunday Dating Scaries featuring another very special guest.